Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And welcome to the Overcrest Rewind. So we're going to check out some news, tell you guys what's going on in the automotive industry. We got some uh, Union Auto Worker update. You know, it's getting really complicated and it's starting to really, really affect what GM is doing. So I think it's important that we check into that, see what's going on. We're going to talk about some uh, truck that I think Jake should buy. Oh, man. I can't um, wait. There's, yeah, there's all a bunch of stuff. We're going to Buster Conrad's going to be on. Conrad, the sh- Buster Conrad's Conrad. going to be on the show later. Um, he was nice enough to come out on the rally with us, too, which yes. was cool. Um, and But uh, before we get into that, I there was a meme that I posted. <laughs> yes, on Instagram. It's uh, it's Sophia Varguera and Julie Bowen, who are from what show? What's the name of the show? Modern Family? Modern Family. And of course, um, one of the girls is looking jealously at the other girl's boobs because Sophia uh, Varguera, she's she's well endowed. But but this was an older image. I was like, you realize that's not the original, right, Chris? Right. The original is Sophia Loren at a table looking at Jane Mansfield's breasts. Which were famous actors back in the, what, 60s? Yeah. And they're both beautiful women. Right. But the thing is, is that Jane Mansfield's not really, she's not wearing a bra, she's not wearing anything. (laughs) And there's Sophia Loren, also beautiful, that is just looking as green as could be with envy at at this other woman who's just basically falling out. And I didn't realize there was, there's like a, a quote from her as well about this event. There is actually a quote. And it's, um... It was, I found it on Vanity Fair when I was doing a little bit of research on this photo. And okay. this is Sophia Loren basically explaining what happened. Yeah. Um, Paramount had organized a party for me. All of the cinema was there. It was incredible. And then comes in Jane Mansfield, the last one to come. For me, that was when it got amazing. She came right from my table. She knew everyone was watching. She sat down, and now she was barely, listen. Look at the picture. Where are my eyes? I'm staring at her nipples because I'm afraid they are about to come onto my plate. In my face, you can see the fear or jealousy, as I would call it, not fear. Uh I'm so frightened that everything in her dress is going to blow, boom, (laughs) and spill all over the table. Now, this made me think of um, back in the day when I was at the Peterson Museum. I had gone through the, the vault tour. Yeah. Right? And you can go see all all the cars that are basically in the basement of the Peterson Museum right. waiting to go up and be displayed or it's just part of the collection or whatever. And lo and behold, there's Jane Mansfield's uh, Electra. I think it was either her Electra that she died in or it was just one of her cars. I don't remember. But I remember the guy at the, the, the tour guide, the museum curator dude being like, yeah, Jane Mansfield was decapitated in this car or whatever. It was something like oh, wow. she'd been decapitated. So that's how she died. She was only 34. Yeah, so I then I started to look it up, and this is kind of an interesting story okay. um, of whether Jane Mansfield was decapitated or not. Okay. In the early morning hours of June 29th, 1967, on a narrow country road near a Louisiana swamp, a gray 1966 Buick Electra glided through the dark on its way to a new on its way to New Orleans. The road ahead was obscured by a white haze laid down by a distant mosquito fogger. How'd they know that? Maybe it was just fog. Yeah, I don't know the the difference between mosquito fog and regular fog. Yeah, this prevented the car's driver from discerning the presence of a slow-moving tractor trailer ahead of him. At approximately 2.15 a.m., the the Electra slammed into that truck and slid under it. Oh, wow. All three adults sitting in the car's front seat were killed instantly. But surprisingly, the three children riding the back seat were cushioned from serious harm. 
That's why you don't outdrive your headlights. Yes, exactly. And I'm guessing headlights in 1967, not so great. No. Not so great. Um, all three adults sitting in the car were killed. Uh, dead at the scene were driver Ronnie Harrison, actress Jane Mansfield, Mansfield's boyfriend, Sam Brody, and Mansfield's small dog. Three of the Mansfield's children, Mariska, Zoltan, Miklos Jr., all fathered by her second husband, Mickey Hargaday, survived the accident. Wow. Somehow. I don't know how you survive, I guess. You showed me the photo of the car after Here's impact, and it's nuts. It, yeah. It, if they would have been in car seats, I'm guessing they wouldn't have made it. Oh, you think because they were lower? They were lower. Just I bet when the thing hit, they just got thrown onto the floor, hmm. is my thought. All right, so... The precise nature of the injuries inflicted in this accident would not usually bear thinking about, but rumors about the death of one of the passengers was turned into the stuff of contemporary lore when it became common knowledge that Jane Mansfield had been decapitated. As you were told. It is because this belief is a, is it? It is because this belief is as widespread as it is that the topic merits study, and it is due to the nature of the rumor that the discussion needs to be as detailed as it does. Okay. So hit your fast forward like three times on your podcast if you are if you're squeamish. Because right? we're gonna get into the details of her. Yeah, death. It's, it's not. It's gross. All right. So <laughs> although Mansfield's actual mode of death was gruesome, she was not beheaded. Okay. According to the police report on the accident, the upper portion of this of this white female's head was severed. Her death certificate notes: "Quote, crushed skull with avulsion, forcible separation or detachment of the cranium and brain." Oof, <laughs> that's uh, terrible, especially for such a beautiful, wonderful. She was like a wonderful person, too. You know, she's supposed to be funny, bubbly, and just like a wonderful all-around great gal. Um, one thinks of beheading as the neck being sliced through, causing the head to be separated from her body. Uh -huh. But that is clearly what not what clearly uh, not what happened here. Okay. So people were saying that her head went like flying into the field, and like there's all these rumors, conjectures, and even the guy at the Peterson Museum told me right. she'd been decapitated. All right, so so. What actually happened? What is a cranium versus brain separation? Scalping is perhaps a closer description of ah. Mansfield's fate, but even that word does not accurately reflect the cranial trauma she suffered because scalping victims at least retain an intact skull. The angel of death did not afford Mansfield this luxury. Her skull was cracked or sliced open, and a sizable piece of it was carried away. Oof. As gruesome as this mode of death was, it was at least the benefit of being quick. Anyway, so Kenneth Anger's 1975 Hollywood Babylon contains a controversial photo of the wrecked Electra, which is totaled. You can see the total, the roof it of it. It looks is, like a, a tin can was peeled back. Yeah, like if you had a can of tuna and you just exactly. peel the top of it, that's exactly what it looks like. Um, it shows Mansfield's dog lying beside the car, as well as another item that has aroused considerable discussion. Something that appears to be a clutch of human hair. <sighs> Debate continues as to whether what was captured in that photo was the top part of Mansfield's head, a wig she was carrying or wearing, at the time of the crash, or something else entirely. Some have chosen to attribute Mansfield's early demise, she was only 34, to a curse somehow connected to the International Church of Satan, an institution what? founded in 1966 by Anton LaVey. Little is known about the rumored curse, but LaVey is on record as saying it was worked upon by her consort. A consort, I think, must be... Is that like your medium or something? Or it's is that like your your local chapter of yeah. your? Yeah, I'm not really sure on how the, church. the international church. Of Wait, Satan so works. she basically claimed she's like, yeah, yeah, that was me, that was us, we cursed her. Yeah. So another version has Levey laying it onto Mansfield's boyfriend Sam Brody, supposedly because Brody was disruptive during church services and was making Mansfield's life hell on earth. 
well, isn't that what you'd want if you're in the International Church of Satan? Right, I don't get it. Hold on. <laughs> uh, that alleged curse also ended up taking the life of the one it was meant to help is deeply ironic. And one thing, kind of an interesting tidbit to this, okay, is one of the children in the back seat that night was Jane's daughter, Mariska. Mm-hmm. That is Mariska Hargaday, who now plays Detective Olivia Benson on Law & Order no. SVU. Yes. So that's why she is a pretty good-looking gal, too, is her no mom kidding. was Jane Mansfield. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. So let's move on to some actual news. I thought that, was, was, that was very interesting. Interesting story. So Porsche and Boeing are going to partner on a premium urban air mobility project. Okay, first of all, this is a much better partnership than Porsche <laughs> and, and Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, Porsche and Boeing signed a memorandum of so understanding. Are we going to get a Porsche flying car? Is let's, that what this means, Chris? Let's talk. Okay. Porsche and Boeing signed a memorandum of understanding. I like it. <laughs> we need one of those. Do we have one of those? No. A memorandum it's of unwritten. understanding <laughs> to explore the premium urban air mobility market and the extension of urban traffic into airspace. How many times have we read about this or heard about this since 1960? Like how many times have we cars? done? How many times have we talked about this in the last two years that we've been doing this podcast? Several. So the other day they did a race. This was this was kind of newsworthy. They did a race between the New York subway, okay, and Uber's new Uber helicopter thing. Wait, there's an Uber helicopter? Apparently in New York. Guess what one? The helicopter. The subway. What? (laughs) The subway was able to beat the helicopter. That is a terrible helicopter. Which is a huge blow to any need to have some sort of flying car, flying Uber, automatic. I can just imagine the car or aircraft crashes when you have little old ladies in their flying cars. I don't think you're going to be allowed to fly your own car. Well, that's what I'm assuming. No, nobody's That's what I'm picturing. Have you seen the popular mechanics from like the 1950s where it shows the guy in the business suit like getting out of his driveway yeah. in suburbia like, yeah. all right, honey, I'm off in my flying car. This isn't the Jetsons. I, this is totally um, going to be the Jetsons. Have you seen uh, what's the movie um, with Sylvester Stallone, Judge Dredd? Okay. Have you seen Judge Dredd? The taxi guy there, well, you get, what you do is you get into a taxi and it's this little plastic guy yeah, that no, turns I around that. and goes, so, that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be... So well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> me and your Mercedes this afternoon? Yeah, <laughs> just driving me around. Yeah. So Porsche is looking to enhance its scope as a sports car manufacturer by becoming a leading brand for premium mobility. There's your keyword. There's your buzzword, Chris. Mobility. Yeah, they're basically... Speaking... Hold on. Let's go back to Judge Dredd and the taxi guy. Yeah. That's what I want every self-driving car to be. I want (laughs) it to have the taxi guy. The taxi guy. Yeah. yeah. Just, hello. That is Judge Dredd, right? Something like that. Or, yeah. In the longer term, this could mean moving into the third dimension of travel, says Detlev Von Platten, member of the executive board for sales and marketing at Porsche HE. We are combining the strengths with two leading global companies to address a potential key market segment of the future. The third third dimension dimension of of travel. travel. Come on. I didn't even read this story before I put it in here. You could not break it up any better than that. The third dimension of travel brought to you by Porsche. You can now turbo into the third dimension yeah, of exactly. travel. As part of this partnership, the companies will create an international team. That's whatever. That's that's all we need. The third dimension of travel. That's that's, <laughs> that's enough for that news story. I'm all done. Let's uh, let's call it a day. Yeah. All right. So I have found the car or truck for you, Jake. This is okay. This is, okay. This I'm not kidding. Yeah. Did you look at this yet? No, I haven't. This is the ultimate Jake mobile. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> I want you to click the link. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh, if you're in the market for a mid-sized pickup truck and want to stand out in the flashiest way possible, Uh-oh. this Hummer H3T Alpha 
Have you yeah. heard of this thing? Oh, yeah, no, I know. Currently listed for sale at Carmack could be your ticket. This is really versions clean. like this one here are much more powerful than the average H3. Right. Well, how much horsepower does your ears have? 260. This has a 300 horsepower, 5.3 liter V8 instead cool. of the puny inline fives. Puny. With 200. How many? How much horsepower did you say yours had? 260. Okay, this says 242 here it's on the end. underrated. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, I'm saying it's underrated here. My, so you know what they're going off? They're going off the 3.5, which is the earlier version. I have the 3.7. That's okay. probably the distinction. So you're not getting your also, power from the, the third reason dimension. I looked at alphas from the third dimension. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the reason I didn't look or I looked at the alpha and didn't go with that is you can't get them with the manual transmission. I saw that. It was an automatic, which yeah, was a bummer. Only. Though there were just a few thousand H3T sold by 2009, the alpha is considered rare with just 48 examples sold in the brand's final 2010 model year, making this alpha listed for sale in Nashville the only one for sale. Okay. The downside, <laughs> however, is that CarMax's no haggle price means the new owner will pay $31,998. Are you kidding? Which is just a few grand less than its original oh, sticker boy. price of thirty eight grand. Yeah. This is an opinion via the drive. Uh-huh. The H3 is a divisive automotive subject, even almost 10 years after its discontinuation. Folks either love or hate the funky pickup, though the haters seem to be winning the battle, at least on the internet. The H3T right. pickup is much more of a looker than its boxy counterpart, counterpart, though neither wins any points for style. I like it. I just this. Is I, you know what else I think? The market is showing that this was a good truck because the Jeep Gladiator is basically the same thing. The Jeep Gladiator is a much cooler version of your truck. I don't know about that. I don't like it. I do. It's much more boxy. It's got the door hinges on the outside like a Jeep and everything else. Yeah, I and do. Like you can, I kind of want one just to take the roof and the doors off. And yeah, just drive that thing's like that. pretty cool. I, they I, only look good with big tires, though. The new Gladiators. I Otherwise, would, the proportions look wrong. I would in my think mind. so. I, I would think that they're made to be the vehicle that every kid was playing with in the sandbox yeah, with the big tires. Yeah. That's what that vehicle is made to be. This also, are you looking at the picture of it right now? I this was. also looks very weird without tires that are bigger. It also looks weird with the chrome grill on the front, which Isn't you blacked that terrible? out. I blacked really, that out really to bad. give it proper size tires. So why don't you get this motor and everything associated with it and put a manual transmission in your truck, and then you can have 300 horsepower? Because I would with just potential do, for much, much more. I would just do like an LS7 swap then. Because you can take any LS and put it in these. It bolts right in. Yes. What? Why aren't you doing this? <laughs> I'm waiting for mine to blow up. It's, Meanwhile, well, Chris is putting sugar in my gas tank. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Your five cylinder is never going to blow up. So you should probably. It probably won't. It, it probably won't. Does, it does burn some oil. Though. Oh, plenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the uh, new Corvette C8 has been delayed. And we've got a uni uh, Union Auto Workers strike update. Yeah. So General Motors much anticipated Chevy 2020 Corvette Stingray will be delayed going to market because of the UAW strike. The free press has learned. Two people familiar with GM's production plans, said the automaker will have to delay the production and launch of the eighth generation Corvette as it works to catch up production of the current model and retool the plant to prepare to build the new model. Neither of those two things can happen as scheduled because of the UAW strike, which is, of course, the Union of Auto Workers. Right. Uh, GM's Bowling Green Assembly in Kentucky was scheduled to start building the car later this year, and while some production could still occur, the plant won't get up to speed quickly. A person familiar with operations... A person. So I, I love it when they say this because it's like, ooh, confidential informant. Yes, confidential a, a person. Yes. A person familiar with the operations at Bowling Green Assembly said, quote, I know for a fact that 
this strike is directly going to affect the start of regular production for the mid-engine Corvette. That's that's a big, it's <laughs> yeah. a pretty big deal. Apparently, that's because the plant still must fulfill orders for the C7 Corvette. Which they can't do right now. Because that's currently delayed due to this strike. Right. So dubbed the C7, at which the assembly line must obviously be completely retooled. So they're going to build it in the same assembly line. Everything that they have for that car needs to be just... But they have to finish making the old ones first. So they can't even start retooling. No. Quote, they were supposed to start production in the first part of December, and that's still a ways away, said Chevy dealer Tommy Brasher, owner of Brasher Motor Co. in Weimar, Texas. There's no possible way they're going to be doing anything in December. No. It's unclear how many strikers GM has replaced with temporary employees, but it appears the situation is eating away at GM's already built inventory. And if the Freeps report is accurate, it finally beginning to affect consumers. For its part, Chevrolet claims the C8 Corvette production is still on target. Chris, that's what they want you to Yeah, believe. there's no possible way. Quote, we know, that, Chevy because, Corvette, we know that because a person. A person, <laughs> confidential informant. Uh, quote, the Chevrolet Corvette Stingray production begins in late 2019 and convertible production follows in late first quarter 2020. I think they're going to have to shift those back at least a quarter. I think you're probably uh, right. It's too early to speculate on potential production timing impacts on any of our vehicles due to the UAW work stoppage, said a Chevrolet spokesperson. So the effects of the strike are starting to become apparent. Yeah, so these are some of the things then that are going on. Yeah, on Monday, GM partially idled an engine plant. Idled? Do you get it? I get idled it. I an get engine it. plant in its Romeo's Ar Romeo's Arizipe, Mexico, uh, because of the U.S. strike. So Mexico is turning out engines, and they have nothing to put them in. So right. they're like, all right, hold off, hold off, guys. Uh, GM builds the Chevy Blazer and Equinox SUVs at that plant. The partial shutdown impacted 415 of the propulsion plant's 2,100 employees, the spokesman said. Last week, then, GM idled its factory in Silos, Mexico, that builds its profitable 2020 Chevrolet Silverado and GMC Sierra pickups. That impacted 6,000 workers in Mexico. Are, we t are you telling me that the Chevy Silverado and the GMC Sierra are made in Mexico? That's what I'm... <laughs> or is that just their engine? Because uh, otherwise, why would they idle those down? I think they're still talking about the engine plants. Yeah, they must be. The engines are made in Mexico, which is almost just as bad. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, an a estimated lying heart. That's a lying yeah. heart right there. So, an estimated ten thousand workers in Mexico, Canada, and at U.S. parts suppliers have been laid off because of the strike. Okay. So, you don't realize how big the impact this is uh, for these people, right? And I want to, to get strike. into that a little bit. So, this is becoming a really big deal. It's been going on for a month, and it's costing everybody a lot of money. Right. Um. So, I wanted to find out what is actually being striked over. There's three things. Okay. One. How long it takes, quote, in progression workers, the second tier, to move up to their top level. So I think you have three tiers. You have temporary worker, right? second tier, and third tier. It's currently eight years to move from $17 an hour to $28 an hour, and their ceiling still has a lower wage and benefit package than those were hired before 2007. Okay. Two, what to do about the temporary workers yeah. who are paid $15 to $19 an hour for the same work and often work as temps for years. I think they basically want temp workers to be permanent but i'm not really sure exactly what they're after there yeah okay and number three how to have apprenticeships for skilled trades when gm has lumped many trades together under one generic classification now i didn't know what this meant okay 
So I kind of try to find out. The Union Auto Workers wants GM to allow more apprenticeship programs for core trade workers to become skilled tradesmen. Currently, GM classifies skilled trades such as electrician, pipe fitter, die maker, and millwright under the umbrella of mechanical. Okay. That generic classification makes it hard to create apprenticeships. So I guess from what I'm reading, mm-hmm. there's a lack of young apprenticeships. Is that what and, you're getting out of that? Well, I, this is what I know from reading. Okay. Is that there's a lot, there's no, they're not creating new jobs under apprenticeship programs. Wouldn't then, so I'm, I'm sorry to say free market, right? So if they don't have people coming in to fill the jobs, why don't they pay those jobs more? Because they're not, those jobs are not being classified under the umbrella uh, of the job that would pay the money. For, I got you. Kind of what I'm gathering. So, sure. so it doesn't encourage people to go into these apprenticeships and nobody's sure. doing them and all the old guys are retiring yeah um so on the line strikers and we're talking about the picket line right this right. is the line okay. in front of the i thought you meant assembly line this is the picket line yep on the line strikers say hiring the temps and equal pay for everyone is their first priority so they say that gm has made 35 billion dollars in the last three years and can afford it basically is is the running line. So it seems like this has been kind of started out as a, well, the temporary workers need good stuff too. And it's kind of cycloned out of control into this. We all need more money. So it's kind of grown bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that's why it's taking so long is I know that there's been a bunch of confidential um, pitches from GM to the union auto workers being like, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. Let's get going. And and union auto worker says, no, no, no. Or they say, we want this. And GM says, no, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So about 46,000 UAW members walked off the job in September 16th. And while the impact of that strike has been gradually widening, the figure of 100,000 non-UAW members are being hurt by the walk-off. Right, as we talked about, kind right. of the so striking. So, what, here, so here's how um, your union dues kind of help with this. Okay, right. I was curious. Okay, so you, uh, I think the GM dues are around a thousand dollars a year, and that will fluctuate a little bit. Now that there's been a strike, yeah, the union dues will go up a little bit to try and cover uh, the the money that's being taken out of what's called the strike fund. Oh, so you, okay. So these guys that are on strike at two hundred fifty dollars a week from the UAW. From the strike fund. So once the strike is over, union dues will go up until that strike fund is re is filled back up and made okay. whole again. So you basically pay a thousand dollars a year to the union auto workers. That's your union dues, and they that basically covers this happening, and also covers the UAW. Two hundred fifty a week is not. It, it's not livable. Live it's not livable. Um, the strike has also caused more than $624 million of lost wages for members while costing the federal government and the state of Michigan $250 million and $13.8 million, respectively. I'm guessing wow. taxes, sales, everything else. Yeah. Um, GM dues, like I said, yeah, they're about $1,000 a year. It sounds like this is kind of... So is this a specific GM UAW strike? As or is this as also I, affecting you know, Ford? I think as far Chrysler. as I know, this is GM. Uh, I haven't seen any anything else other than GM. Right. So I want everybody to think about a little bit of beyond the union auto workers. Okay. Think of everything from the suppliers, not only people doing car stuff, but the restaurant that's across the street from the factory that get these guys get coffee at in the morning. Good point. This is a very broad scope. So now guess who's not getting the money to bring the engines up from Mexico? The truck drivers. Yeah. Right. Wow. So the the reach of this is exponential. Yeah. Okay, so now there's like Mexican dudes in Mexico that don't have a job. And then there's the guys that work at the foundry or the guys that work at the mine to mm-hmm. make the to make the get the metal 
to, to throw into the foundry to make the motor. And then there's guys that make the electric shovels that get the metal in the first place. And the guys that make the tires for the big, huge dump trucks that carry around the ore. All this stuff is not happening right the now. Ripple's it's, going very far the ripple, there. But it, I agree. I'm not wrong. This I don't is know the way it works. The, the industrial tire manufacturer for the iron ore plant is feeling this. Why not? If those... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit of a reach, but I know that the, the those big ass dump trucks that carry the oil yeah. out of the foundry probably aren't going to get driven as much as they don't have the sales to make to the company that's using the foundry to make the engines. Like all this stuff trickles down I, over I, time. I get your point, and it may not happen now, but six months from now, the orders well, won't be there. Depending on how yeah how long this takes. Well, this has been four weeks of we're not doing any orders. We're not. They're not. GM is not buying metal and steel if they're not doing engines. They're right. not just stockpiling steel outside the building, hoping that this they'll just wait. Yeah. So that that definitely flows downhill. So I'm gonna for me, unions aren't anywhere near as important as they were during the industrial revolution. It's right. just you don't see a lot of uh, abuse anymore. Right. There's not guys with rifles standing outside making sure that you work and don't leave when before you're saying that you can leave. There's no there's no bloodshed. Right. It's you're just, not losing thumbs left and right. It's just not the same. It doesn't have this it doesn't carry the same weight that it does. All of these guys aren't being abused. Okay. I mean yep. making fifteen to thirty dollars an hour for what in in some ways is skilled labor if you're an electrician. But if you're a guy that's there with a little mechanical screwdriver going like this and putting a body panel on over and over and over again. Why are you making $30 an hour and why do you have these this golden parachute thing? I think we got to figure out some sort of there's we got to figure out some way to pay people what they're actually uh, what their labor is worth. I it's So just, that's getting a little political and I won't comment too much on that. But what I will say is this has to make a lot of the uh, manufacturing plant engineers think, okay, well, we'd have to invest a lot more to make this automated, but then we wouldn't have to deal with strikes and you know production lulls in the future. So I'm sure this is a tick in the box of saying, well, just put more robots on the line. And with this, with the rise, I, what was that thing I sent you that the uh, the Union Auto Workers pamphlet where you were like, oh, too long, did not read. Oh yeah, it was uh, the Union Auto Workers. How to deal with you know basically electric fair cars. electric vehicle manufacturing. It was all right. about doing yeah, that. Yeah, because to your point, we talked about it last week. How basically it doesn't take as much to put into an electric vehicle. Thirty to forty percent less labor. Right. So that's I mean they're scared and that's understandable i i i fear for them i feel for especially when you look at some of these guys like i said they don't they aren't skilled laborers right they're just laborers and if those jobs go away those guys man what are they going to do you know i mean i'm sure everybody will find something to do but it doesn't bode well anyway so volkswagen has a new r logo okay not like r <laughs> they're a pirate ship logo as part of a company-wide rebranding effort volkswagen unveiled a new r logo That'll grace its more performance-oriented products. And oriented is kind of a tip. Right. It's tip. not going to be just... No, no, the, no. That's a tip-off to what it looks like. It looks really Asian. It looks oriental for sure. Oh, come on. It does. Look at it. It looks like a little like samurai sword coming off an R. It's just a stylized R. I don't very mind Very stylized. Very, very Asian-looking to me. Sporting a sleeker, lighter, more minimalist design, the new R badge will complement the automaker's similarly revamped VW logo, which barely looks different. It almost looks the same. And replaces the old badge, featuring a less stylized R along with blah, blah, blah. The new, I like the new Volkswagen logo. They're actually going back, I think, to one of their original well, most designs. Most companies are. Yeah. Most companies are. I, see, I don't even like the the latest R logo, not the new one, but the last one, because I still like the old Mark 
four with like the little checker flag. flag. Yeah. yeah. The, this R marks the athletic apex of our model program. And the R logo serves an expression of both aesthetics and sportsmanship. At the same time, it's gaining in terms of both clarity and charisma as the new Volkswagen brand logo. Speaking of sportsmanship, the first vehicle to get this badge, the Atlas. Which is <laughs> pretty lame. Uh, yeah, that's pretty their lame. massive SUV. So remember when we talked to Alex Roy back in the day and he said he was wake working on a new film? Yeah, so Alex Roy, as we know, is the guy that set basically the record from coast to coast. Cannonball run, yeah. Exactly. So he's re- finally releasing the new film that he talked about. Okay. Apex, The Secret Race Across America, is the latest from director J.F. Musial, the filmmaker behind the brilliant Apex, the story of the hypercar. Okay. Did you watch that on Netflix? I didn't, actually. You should. It's actually quite good. It's okay. all in 4K, beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, really good. His latest endeavor looks just as good with the film's release stating, Apex, the secret race across America, tells the true story of what happened after the Cannonball Run ended in 1979, the rise of the U.S. Express, and the seemingly unbreakable New York to L.A. 32-hour record set in 1983. When FBI scrutiny forced an end to the secret of races, or did it, Decades later, two men get in a car and attempt to break the unbreakable record. Hmm. So I'm going to talk to Roy on Sunday. That'll be awesome. He's going to call into the podcast. I'm going to talk to him, talk to him about the film. And I'm going to try and get an update on how the Human Driving Association is going. Right. And how things have changed for autonomous cars over the last year. But of course, we're going to talk about the film. So I don't want to get into it too much, but that's cool. The new film's coming out, and I'll have an update from Alex for you guys. I don't know, in the next week, week and a half sure. or whatever, we'll get that We'll get that out to you guys. Um, so the NHTCA, which is the National Highway Transportation Safety, Safety Administration, Administration, wants to know if cameras should replace mirrors. Now, I'm talking on your side. Right, side view. And we've seen like a lot of concept cars go this route. Yes. So the NHTSA, this is their, this is their press release. Okay. I'm running out of breath here. Holy oh, you cow. want me to take this yeah, one? Yeah, read this one. The NHTSA seeks public comment on permitting camera-based rear visibility systems, commonly referred to as camera monitor systems, or CMS, as an alternative to inside and outside rear view mirrors. Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard number 111 rear visibility currently requires the vehicles be equipped with rear view mirrors to provide drivers with a view of objects that are to their side or to the side and rear. This notice responds to two rulemaking petitions from manufacturers seeking permission to install the CMS instead of outside rearview mirrors on both light vehicles and heavy trucks. Why not? I mean, why not make it more complicated? Well, that, uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, I mean, thank you. Yes, you kind of <laughs> satirically got to my point. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just a mirror works just fine. You know what a mirror does? By definition, is it takes beams of light, <laughs> it reflects, reflects them, <laughs> yeah, as they're shown. Yeah, it's a direct and exact representation of what you're seeing behind you in your eyeballs. Well, All you have to do is look at in, it in inverse. But yes, it makes sense. The ANPRM builds on the agency's prior efforts to support. To obtain supporting technical information, data, and analysis of all this. So Tesla Inc. and the Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers in 2014 petitioned the agency to allow cameras to be used in lieu of traditional mirrors, citing improved fuel economy through reduced aerodynamic drag as the primary benefit. Cameras feeding one or more displays inside the car could also improve rear and side visibility says the Auto Alliance. Uh, Toyota Motor Corp's Lexus brand rolled out the technology last year on the ES sedan in Japan and reviewing feedback from drivers about this feature. So does that mean it is actually in production it in Japan? It seems like it is, yeah. 
Okay. So mirrorless cars or vehicles that drop old school glass mirrors, old school, Chris, glass mirrors are old school. (laughs) Come on. In favor of video screens have long been proposed by stylists and engineers. What I think of immediately is all the screens that drop LEDs and look like crap after like five minutes. (laughs) Right. Uh, It's It's just just, more technologies that need to be upkept and go back. So where's the screen going to be? They, I've seen it. It's basically right on the A-pillar then. So you just get a little TV on your A-pillar. Yeah. That's got to look terrible for from a design standpoint. Putting I, a little- I, I can't remember where I've seen it or one, what vehicle, but it was integrated. It was kind of maybe lower too on the door, actually. I just can't see I agree. any place. It doesn't make sense. Uh, is there anything else I should be reading here from this? Uh, NHTSA's 2017 tests of a prototype camera monitoring system found it was generally usable in most situations and proves, hold on, most situations. That's another good thing. Ask anyone in the Midwest through winter if their rear view camera works because rear view cameras are now ubiquitous and required in every vehicle they 2018 prior. They do not because, because they get covered they get, with slush and exactly. salt and everything else. And do you think everyone's going to walk around their car and use a little towel to wipe off the little cameras on their mirrors? Absolutely not. No, but when you look at a mirror in your actual window, you can, worst case scenario, roll down the window and wipe it. Which is, what, which is what I'll do if it's got snow on it. Right, Plus, you frequently do. A lot of new cars, especially if it has like heated seats package, has heated mirrors. You just turn them on exactly. and defogs the mirror or whatever. Yes. So I, I'm sure there'll be some sort of crazy glass that's resist dirt and everything else, but I don't know. They, they're also saying that in most situations, uh, they produced better quality images than mirrors at dusk and dawn. That I can understand. Like if there's like a night vision mode or right. something there's like some that. some sort of that's, filter. You can understand that I that could be better. But that. here's the thing. I have a better awareness of traffic in the cars around me at night because they have their lights on. True. And I can see when a car is behind me. You can feel their presence in the cabin of the car. Assuming you don't have like 100% tint, you can kind of feel yeah. when the cars around. I can see them. I don't know. It just doesn't seem, just doesn't seem relevant or necessary. Speaking but, of technology that is not relevant and is not welcomed. Yeah, I have bad go. news for you, Chris. Corvette, What's the bad news? The new Corvette C8 makes fake engine sounds. No, why? The new Corvette has fake engine noises from the speakers. This is not a driving impression. It's a significant fact or say so uh, Matt Farah tweeted. Yeah, so he was basically saying, hey, this is what's happening. There's engine noise coming through the speakers when he went and drove the car. Uh, Fake engine noise isn't new. And before you dive into the comments all angry, it is here to stay. Automakers pump fake engine sounds into the cabin to enhance the driving experience, allowing drivers to feel a bit more connected to their cars. Fake engine sounds also, (laughs) he's typing in the notes, goes bzzz. Yes, fake engine noise goes bzzz. Fake engine noise also help brands such as Mercedes circumvent tightening sound regulation in Europe. Well, of course, you still got to make that throaty, sporty noise yep. when you're paying a hundred grand more. I know. Well, it never was even on BMW as uh, long ago as the M5 when they switched from the V10 to the V8 twin turbo. Sure. That well, yeah. made fake noises. Yeah, the M3, M4 had that as well. It's super frustrating. Here, here's the question. Why does a 500 horsepower 6.2 liter V8 need to have the sounds adjusted. Agreed. It doesn't. It sh- Oh, no. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have to. Would you be okay? So what's? tell me this. What's the difference between if you have an intake on the car right. and you can adjust the flaps on the intake to make the engine louder or the exhaust, you can hit the flapper button? Sure. 
that I, they have that technology. So I don't understand why they need to also put in some synthetic it's, noises. Okay, so that's real to you if you have that. If you have like the flapper button and like yeah, the exhaust button. I don't mind that. Because it's still like a physical sound exactly. being created by something. Exactly. I'm, I'm the same way. So Chevy issued a response. Okay, they said, let's hear it. If customers like how the seventh generation sounds, then they will love the sound of the LT2 engine in their 2020 Corvette Stingray. The car mm-hmm. actually uses the exact same strategy and execution as all seventh generation Corvettes, including the ZR1. Okay. Two wrongs don't make a right, boys. <laughs> it's important to note nothing comes out of the speakers that would sound. It's important to note nothing comes out of the speakers that would sound like an engine on its own. We rely on the engine for all of the audio content, but given the pass by pass by requirements and mm-hmm. the multiple cavities between the exhaust tips and the driver, some frequencies are lost and need to be supplemented. Uh-huh. This results in engaging and visceral driving to experience as our seventh generation owners can attest to. So basically they're they're like, oh, well, uh, the, we're adding more bass to it. The way that the cabin was designed, the resonance at 77 hertz is not quite there. So we're going to pump it through the just then if that's the case, you've got too much sound deadening in the car. Right. You, you've made the car too Here, heavy. Here's the problem, though. They need to both fulfill the need of someone who wants a quiet comfortable car as well as it also needs to make noise when they want it to i i have the car for that person it's called the ctsv the cadillac version okay if you want that car if you want the quiet comfortable car with all the power you buy the ctsv if you want the sports car you buy the corvette people want both at the same time i'm sorry to say then you buy the ctsv because that is the closest <laughs> compromise instead we'll just fake it these people can have both but guess what buddy it ain't real yeah All right, next story. SRT Design Boss wants Challenger and Charger owners to take off their damn splitter guards. (laughs) I read this headline and I just couldn't stop laughing. So if you're not aware, I'll give a little preface. So all of these uh, new Chargers and Challengers with the SRT package have this cool like splitter lip on the front bumper. And when they transport Because they have like 9 million horsepower. They need something to stick to the ground. And in transport, all vehicles, actually new vehicles, vehicles have some sort of protective cladding on them, whether they bubble wrap the whole thing as some Fords do I've seen, or they have wheel covers. Well, on these SRTs, on the lips, they have these little plastic covers over the it lips. It looks like spoiler. a mouth guard. Like, it does. Like it's a, a little plastic thing. Yeah. Presumably because when you put them up and down the ramps, the lip is so far forward, it might scratch it. Like on the delivery truck. Yeah. Well, they make them colored so you know to remove them, so they're obvious. And it says on it, remove yes the dealer problem is, remove by dealer the problem is some people for whatever reason it became a fad to keep these on so dodge's head of design mark trossel has taken to the internet to make a simple plea to challenger and charger owners please remove your car's splitter guards <laughs> for god's sake they aren't part of the design and trossel along with plenty of others think they ruin the muscle machines lines Dodge slapped, as I said, yellow plastic protectors on the other side of some Chargers and Challengers front splitters to protect them during transport. A few dealers delivered the cars to customers with the guards in place, and some buyers, liking the look, didn't remove them. If Imagine being a regular Dodge guy and seeing some other dude with that. Do you think he would say something? Yo, hey, yo, yo, yo. Oh, 100%. You forgot to take that off. I'm sure oh, some, I, like, I, the I, first I, guys at car shows actually went up and they're like, hey, you know you can remove that. The guy's like, no, 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 no. It's on there for the looks. Oh, 
So Can you please leave? some people didn't remove them, and then reinstalling discarded guards became a popular lit controversial modification within the Mopar community. And in the summer of 2018, the silly debate over what people do with their dodges leaked into the mainstream online car discourse. Quote, this is the final word. When we did the sketch for the Charger and Challenger, it never had stupid yellow strips on it. Trossel declared in the final minute of a video uploaded to YouTube by Canadian automotive journalist Brian Maxke. I wish they would take them off, Trossel continued. You're just ruining the paint, and they say to be removed by a dealer. It's molded in. It's there to ship the vehicle. To me, as a designer, it ruins the lines of the car. Quote, for the new splitter guards, we've introduced a new <laughs> fashionable purple color that we'll see if that one takes off. I hope it doesn't. It's purple. You know, if I were them, I would have done it in like tiger stripe or something. So they literally just, changed the color to quit people from keeping them on the car. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Wow. All right. So let's move down to uh, our last story of the day. After that, we've got we've got Buster Conrad. And we've also got some listener questions. This is going to be a, kind of a long episode. That's fine. I'm well, enjoying whatever. it. Yeah. So um, Jeep does not want to be an emoji. Oh, I'm sorry. Have you ever, you know, when you type in like, hello, and it'll do like a little wavy hand or you can say like thumb up and it'll, yeah. it'll change it to the emoticon right away. Okay. Like a shortcut. You just type right. it. Mine doesn't do that because I never figured out that feature. Okay. So you can do that. I know if, you can. If you're, not a Luddite, <laughs> if you're not a Luddite like Jake, you can do that. And when you would type Jeep, yeah. it would turn into a little blue car. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. So Jeep, which fiercely protects its trademark name, is celebrating the demotion of an emoji that it says falsely represented the all-terrain vehicle. So did the emoji look like a Jeep? No, it looked like a little blue sport, like a little blue hatchback. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it then. That's Until dumb. Apple's most recent iOS update, iPhone users typing the word Jeep in text would also see an auto-populated emoji of a boxy blue car. Okay. This did not sit well with the automaker, which referred to the emoji as imposter Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> Both Apple's newest iOS update, the connection between Jeep and the emoji has been removed. It still appears when the generic phrases like SUV and car and automobile are typed. Jeep is now seizing on the victory with a lighthearted social media campaign by by huge Detroit called <gasps> This Is Not Jeep. I've seen this. Yeah. Do you remember seeing this a while ago? And no. we're like, what the hell is this about? I've never seen it. Okay. I remember seeing this. We might have even covered this in an early episode. On its Twitter and Instagram channels, the brand is imagining the frustration Jeep enthusiasts got when the pesky rogue emoji appeared. The Jeep brand is opposed like to this emoji because being connected with its name and we're happy. Uh, wow, this is English. The Jeep brand is opposed to this emoji being connected with its name and we're happy the associated decision has been removed from the latest iOS update. We're good naturally celebrating its blah, 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 blah. But funny. It used to that be is a funny and little I like blue that. Cut. All right. So we've got Buster Conrad. Con Conrad. It is Conrad. You he's, did it correctly uh, this he actually time. Is, uh, he's out on location again. Yes, he so is. So let's, uh, let's hear what Buster Conrad has for us. Hi, Chris and Jake. Today I'm at the world's largest truck stop, the Iowa 80TA, to give our listeners some insight about trucker culture. I've bought a trucker hat with the Freightliner logo and have studied up on their slang terms so I'll fit right in. I'm sure you will. I see will. a truck driver walking <laughs> into the truck stop. Hello, sir. You look like you've seen some miles. What's the biggest challenge facing professional drivers like yourself in the future? Speed limits, logbooks, and Democrats. What's this, some sort of news report? <laughs> I'm with the Overcrest Podcast and... And, uh, he just walked away. <laughs> hey, good buddy, what's your 20? Seen any good seat covers in the chicken coop? Or bears on the flip-flop? I think, I think that's what they call them, right? I am bears? driver of truck. You are driver of truck? I make truck go. I have logbook. 
Well, uh, <laughs> I don't mean to brag, but I have driven an F-350 once, so yeah, pretty much I'm a truck driver. Speaking of trucks, that sure is stylish how the Adidas stripes on your Volvo truck match your track suit. Where did you get that done? I am driver of truck. I have job in Russia. Truck drive you. <laughs> wow, you sure are. This guy over here walking to his truck with a trailer full of boats looks way more down to earth. Hey, good buddy, what's your handle? Handle? My name is Ryan. The only handles I've got are love handles. <laughs> All right, Ryan. I'm Buster from the Overcrest Automotive Podcast. If you could tell our car driving listeners. Well, hello, honey. Pardon me, Ryan. This will just take a second. <laughs> hey, lady, I wouldn't nail you with a borrowed hammer, but if you know where I can score some blow around here, I'll share and we can party. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, guys, we can edit that part out, right? <laughs> I don't know if we can, Buster. That, uh, it's pretty telling. So, Ryan, if you could tell our car driving listeners anything about these big trucks and trucker culture, what would it be? To all your four-wheelers who are 70 foot long and weigh as much as 80,000 pounds, give us a space. Especially if it's a Swift. Make sure you give them plenty of space. I see those things Swing everywhere. Swing wide. It's a friggin' trailer. <laughs> we want to get where we are going just as much as you, and sometimes even more so. Assuming that's true, why does it take so long for you guys to pass each other? Just between you and me, you, you, you can tell me, you're just screwing with us holding up traffic, yeah, right? Yeah, Wisconsin drag race. Ah, uh, yes. The old high-speed, low-speed drag race. <laughs> yep. A lot of us are speed-limited by our companies, even though these steering wheel holders still manage to roll trucks at 65 mile an hour. Sometimes it's hard to judge the speed difference, and sometimes the truck getting past just decides to speed up. I try to avoid it, but a lot of drivers in these limited trucks get antsy and try to pass another truck doing half a mile an hour slower than they are. I did not know that. That's very informative, Ryan. Hey, Chris and Jake, keep the rubber side down and keep your pedal to the metal. 10-4, back to you. <laughs> Will do. Thank you, Buster. Yeah, 10-4, breaker, breaker, 1-9. <laughs> do, you, do you know, speaking of trucker lingo, do you know what it's called when the tire retreads fall off on it's the middle of the freeway? It's called a gator. A gator back. Yeah, gator back. Yeah, gator. I've run watch out for them gators. You're talking to a guy that usually had a CB in true. every car that he That's had until true. the 911 days. Yeah. So there was a lot of, hey, is that you there in that little Volkswagen rabbit there? <laughs> and I used to ask people when I had my rabbit pickup diesel, I'd say, Hey, driver, you know, they you call him driver or whatever. Hey, driver. Sure. I don't know that many people use handles anymore. I'm so sure. Like, hey, driver of the whatever. And it's, it's me with the truck again. Do you mind if I tuck in behind you? And, he's, and they'd be like, yeah, sure. Come on in. And you can tuck right behind me. Just I can't see you back there. You just you just be careful. And I could pull in okay. behind these trucks, be right on their bumper. Okay. And I could physically lift my foot almost off the gas with a. Just because the aerodynamics, just the aerodynamics of them pulling you in. Do you ever yeah. see the MythBusters episode on this? No, I don't think they, I did. It can have a huge effect. Yeah, I had a 1.9 turbo diesel rabbit pickup, <laughs> so it had a huge effect. It was almost idle. I could just barely touch the throttle wow. and just tool along behind these guys. That's awesome. I remember one time there was a guy that told me some sorrowful stories too. This guy talking about how when he gets home, he doesn't know if his wife is going to be there. And stuff. Oh, jeez, because you'd have deep conversations. On yeah, because you're just you're just driving along. Nobody's got anything to do, and it's not the same anymore. This is still no. like 10, 15 years ago. Now everybody's got stupid podcasts to listen to <laughs> it and everything else. So. <laughs> Except for ours. That's, yeah, that's it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah okay. um, so we've got some listener feedback, some listener questions for you. Um, I've completely screwed you over and left you unprepared. In that's one awesome. Of the I love it. Um, so Michael Voller via Facebook says, if Porsche didn't exist, what would your fun car be? Is this the one that I'm not prepared no, for? No. Oh, okay. So I, before I was looking at 911s, of course, I was looking at 
Lotus Elise's. Lotus right. Elise, Lotus Exige. I also would love a Ditamosa Pantera, the first kind of generation of them. But have you seen the price on those things lately? They're wild. They it's, are it's, wild. it's out of control. So those would be my two picks if I could afford the latter. Yeah, the problem is, is that you need like a dollar amount to go with a question like this. You kind of right? do. I mean, we kind of did this the other day. Yeah, we our, did. We've done this. Before. Yeah, so I, I, it, for me, I guess it would probably be a Escort, Escort Cosworth RS or a Delta Integrale. Ooh, there you go. Ooh, you just reminded me. A Lotus Cortina would also be way up there on my yeah, list. Yeah, that, that would not be bad at all. So, um, Shu32 of the Instagram. That's Tony Sotil. Yeah. Uh, wrenching season is upon us. What new goodies are the 911s getting this winter? What are you doing? Because I'm not doing a whole lot. I'm, okay. I, I, this is an announcement for you, Chris. I'm officially retiring the deck lid. You are? Yes. So you're, what are you doing? What's the story? I, so I'm going to hang up the kind of outlawed deck lid where my factory deck lid is in the garage. That'll sure. just be garage art. And it has the Overcrest Rally sticker that I moved on the rear deck lid. Cool. So that'll be there on the wall. I'm putting the factory deck lid back on there. With the I'm, gold font. Yep, with the gold font that I'm keeping. I'm painting the bumpers orange. Okay, I all think right. we're going full monochromatic here, one color. Right. Um, I also have my passenger seat to install since I did the RS seat on the <laughs> driver's side. On the rally, you had your bride in the uncomfortable seat. Yep. And you had the nice seat. <laughs> I was yeah. comfy. So install that other seat. I also got my alternator rebuilt. So right. I got a Swap that out and give that one back. Yeah, but to this this is my most, mostly boring stuff. What are you doing for performance? What goodies are you getting? Goodies, goodies, goodies. Some Painting part. your bumpers is not goodies. That's just I do want to swap be doing. wheels out. Oh, you do. You want to yeah. do a different set of wheels? I do. Do you know what you want to do? I do. Are you going to tell me? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So for you know, me, hey, hold on. You know what else I'm doing? I'm getting Harley goodies. So what I'm going to be doing <laughs> with my car? Just ah. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Is it going to get louder? Maybe a little. No. Yeah. No. All right. So I'm going to be pulling my motor. Oh. So there's there's two things I want to do. My, so my car needs a front pan. Right. I've got a little bit of rust in the front pan on my car. Right. I want to get a new front pan. I'm really, really scared at how complicated it is to do. So are you going to do it? I don't know. The jig for it is about 500 bucks. Okay. Too, so you can put everything where it goes. So you don't. That seems important. So you don't drive. It's not driving like a you know like a dog running basically. It's like <laughs> sideways down. Because the road. your front suspension points are on that pan. Right. It's where the control mm, arms hook up. Yeah. So I'm really, re I really want to do it. Wait. Myself. How does your dog run? <laughs> well, all dogs run a little bit side. It's why they call it dog legging. Have you ever heard that term? <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess I've never watched my dog run sideways. No, but a dog naturally runs a little bit sideways because otherwise his rear legs would kick its front legs because the way that they run. Think about it. When they're full sprint, their rear legs and their front legs are almost touching each other. Right. But So they are turned just a little bit, and their feet pass <laughs> like this. That's why it's called dog-legging. Haven't you ever seen a car driving down the road, and you're like, whoa, that thing's really dog-legging? I've never said that. Oh, well, that's the proper term. I so like it. You've learned I, there's something. There's my today. education. Um, so I, I really don't want that to happen, obviously. <laughs> And it's a lot of work. It's probably about $4,000 to pay somebody to do it just to give you okay. an idea of how in-depth yeah. it is. Okay. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not and sure. And your, your front can... pan is kind of what? Rusted out? It's yeah. It's deteriorating? Yeah, it's deteriorating. It's, okay. It was rusty when I got it, and it just needs to be done. Okay. Um, it's not dangerous or anything. I welded some like I, some reinforcement in there to just make sure everything yep, was fine. I remember you saying that. I just I want don't it to know. be right. I want to be right. I don't know that I'm capable, but I... And the thing is, is if I try and I drill out the whole old front pan and cut it out, it's going to be really hard to 
like get the car somebody to have somebody fix my screw up. Mm. And I'm really just kind of nervous about it. Like it just doesn't seem. Yeah, it's the old adage. It's you know, a hundred dollars to fix it. It's two hundred dollars if you've already tried to fix it. And it's three hundred dollars <laughs> if you want to watch me fix it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I also want to pull my motor out, and uh, I have entire rear suspension bushings that I want to do. So I want to mm. do like the trailing arm bushings and yep. sway arm bushings. I haven't done my front trailing arm bushings. I have those done are the hard front. to get to. I've done the front. Oh, the full, the, f- the full banana arms you got to pull out. Oh, those. No, I haven't done that. I want to yeah. do all that stuff. I want to yeah, do, yeah. I want to redo the entire rear. The front of the car is done. Yeah. It drives really nice and goes through the road nice and everything. But I, then I got to do the front pan. I also have to, <laughs> I want to check the, the thermostat on my engine, which I have to pull oh, the motor yeah. out to do. And I'll probably do a clutch while I'm in there because it's been about 60,000 miles since I put the clutch in. Mm. And the way that I drive, I might as well just do it while I'm in there. I'll be curious to see if it's worn. It was not when I pulled it out in California. Yeah. But I'm still going to just do it because it's not that expensive. And I'd rather just throw the new clutch in there while I'm there and just, oh, I got the new clutch in there, whatever. And, uh, you know, just that kind of thing. Sure. um, Yeah. Oh, also, I think maybe I might need an axle. I have kind of a little, I just think that I need an axle. Hmm. So it's original axles from when I bought the car. Yeah. So who knows how long the axles have been in there. They felt kind of shitty, like, 30,000 miles ago when I was feeling them. There's a lot of play in the axles. Interesting. So I might grab a new set of axles and I put it in there. I should feel mine. I guess I've never inspected that. Yeah. So um, Juggernaut Speed via Instagram says, what are your favorite grandpa cars that don't <laughs> go like a grandpa car? Okay. So we're talking fast, sedate. Yeah. Like M5s, Impala SS, G8, GXP, sure. XGR, like some of the AMG stuff, whatever. What's yours? This is the question this I'm not prepared I, for. I didn't allow gotcha. you to even think okay. about it. Do you want yeah. me to read mine first, and then you can think uh, about it while I'm no, going? No, I would say like Cadillac CTSV. That is my runner-up. Is the CTSV? Yeah, that's a. I didn't even see that on your list. But yeah, runner-up. Yeah. So my mine is the Mercedes E63 AMG wagon. Okay. Which is German the wagon muscle. is cool. The German muscle to the well, you can get a CTSV wagon too. Yeah, you can. Those that. Those go for money, just do like they? the just like the E sixty three wagons do. Um, it's German muscle. Yep. The, the new ones have a four liter V eight twin turbo with six hundred horsepower, uh, top speed of one hundred and eighty miles per hour in a wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, they have sixty four cubic feet of storage. <laughs> uh, Jeep Cherokee only has fifty five. Wow! Just to give you a, a if, and if you go a little older, and for me this is the one I would get. Okay, just because I'm not phenomenally rich. Okay. Um, is a mid 2000s E63 AMG which has got about 500 horsepower, but it's from a naturally aspirated oh. 6.2 liter. Wow. Which runs a 12.7 in the quarter mile. <laughs> <laughs> Out of a wagon. Yeah. And it's just awesome. They just they're a tire fire. They're just insane. Very fast, wow. but you'll pay for these are 20 to 30 grand all day. Yeah. And that's for a 12, 13 year old car with yeah. 100,000 miles on it. They're very rare. They're hard to come by and the ones there's for me, everybody's always complaining, oh, I want the RS8, I want the S8 wagon, or the S6 wagon, oh, I need the RS4 wagon. Why? <laughs> you could just buy this. This is rear-wheel drive, and it will smoke an RS whatever from the period of time. They're very fast. They're just wild. That's yeah. my choice. Runner-up, CTSV. Yeah. I love the sound of those. Yeah, they sound really good. Yeah, they do. Uh, and you don't need it to come through your speakers to be able to hear the sound <laughs> on, on one of those. Exactly. All right, guys. Head on over, that note, head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Support the show. We'd really love that. Leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. If nothing else, tell your friends. I had a lot of people we met this last yeah. week and say, hey, my buddy told me about this. Yeah, don't be selfish. It. If you uh, if you like the podcast, your friends will too. Uh, share the goodness with them. On that note, we'll see you guys on Friday. Take care. Take care.